Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air, episode 73. We love to make great products. Our mission is to make the world more open and connected. Google's mission is to organize Yahoo is about I'd like to let Macintosh speak for itself. Now, the research program that I was trying to describe more difficult inventions. Around the clock, America's peace of mind. More than 20 years ago, the radio was learning to talk. Coming to you from our world headquarters in San Francisco, welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola. And I'm Melissa DeSantos. And we have a very special guest, which really doesn't need much of an introduction, is our co-founder and CEO of Hearsay Social, Clara Shai. So, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. You know, one of my favorite things about the new year is just that opportunity to revisit the year that just passed and then start looking towards the year that's to come. And there's so much optimism right now in what 2016 has to uh, in store for us. But I thought we'd start, Claire, if you don't mind, with just sharing some of the highlights, because 2015 was a great year for Hearsay Social. It sure was. I mean, there's never been a more exciting time for technology than right now. And you know, Hearsay, we're very fortunate. We and our customers and partners, we're really at the epicenter at a, of a lot of what's going on in Silicon Valley and more broadly. Um, if I look back at 2015, which I have to say now feels like eons ago, <laughs> Um, it was an, a pivotal year for our company uh, in, in terms of the fact that we, we shifted from being a single product company focused exclusively on social media to now having four different products. Mm-hmm. And so social media, advisor websites, advisor email marketing, advisor text messaging, all integrated from a single dashboard, all 100% compliant. Right, and it was quite the effort when you consider all the people that were involved from our product teams, our engineering teams, and of course, marketing, sales, customer support. You can name everybody in this building, everybody in the entire company was involved in this delivery so that we ended the year on such a high note with four new products that really, as we always say, really allows our customers to have better relationships with their clients and provide them the opportunity to build business with new prospects. Well, that's exactly right. And and when you just look at the new offices that we open, whether it's the Hong Kong team that's now supporting Asia Pacific, or it's our brand new engineering development center in Seattle, I mean, just really highlights the, the, the demand from the market for these new technologies. As we've talked in podcasts in the past, next week, we have the entire company coming together here in San Francisco to celebrate 2015 and then to look forward to 2016. And to really uh, uh, hunker down and talk about the sweet 16 that we have ahead of us. Did everyone get that one? I don't know, sweet 16. Because of our product suite, yes. (laughs) That's right. So, Clara, looking forward to 2016, it's the beginning of the year, and it's always nice to kind of take a step back and um, look at what kind of technology trends might happen this year, what kind of predictions can we um, make? And specifically for you, um, I'd love to hear what you're thinking in terms of technology trends for businesses. Great question. So I'd say from a high-level trends perspective, there are three. You know, Number one is the coming of age of millennials, both as the largest workforce in America, as well as a significant purchasing power group. Number two is the the continued rise of 
automation and how that's affecting sales professional jobs, such as financial advisors. And then the third one I talk about is the importance for businesses to really integrate their efforts across social, mobile, and digital. Got it. So on that first one, so millennials. So millennials have more money, can spend it. That's the age group, I believe, 18 to 34. That's right. And how are companies sort of shifting the way they approach millennials because we're different types of consumers. Like as a millennial myself, I know that I engage with brands a lot of times on Instagram, on Snapchat, um, not necessarily always on uh, traditional marketing channels, for example. That's a great point. So I'd say, you know, a couple of things, you know, first businesses have to be on these new digital channels that their millennial consumers and their employees are on. So whether it's text messaging or it's social media, they have to be there. But not only do they have to be there, the way they engage has to be very different. The world of selling used to be salesperson and company driven. These days, it's consumer driven. Consumers wanna research products and services and advisors on their own terms before they even have that first conversation. You know, one of the interesting things I've seen um, Victor and I were looking at Snapchat with Starbucks the other day, yeah. and they had this this killer um, story. You know, um, brands put out these stories, and they were make, showing us the difference between I think a macchiato and like a latte, and how right. to make the two. And honestly, off the top of my head, I don't even know what the difference <laughs> is. But they showed a series of snaps, and it was totally branded, but just very. I mean, it was just like the most eloquent, mm -hmm. but also just like you know, uh, sort of a Snapchat you would see from a friend, um, branding of like the difference between a macchiato and a latte. I think and that speaks to two really important trends, especially for millennials, but I think it's it's true across the broader population. One is this need for authenticity. Mm -hmm. They don't want it to feel and sound like a press release. It has to be short, authentic, fun, entertaining, whatever the brand promise would, would have you expect. The second is this desire by consumers to be informed. They wanna know where their steak dinner came from. They wanna know that it's farm to table. They wanna know how the sausage is made. They wanna know how the macchiato is made. And so putting that content marketing out there has never been more important. Yeah, I often point to Starbucks as, do, as a brand that really is getting it in using Snapchat. And the example that you illustrated was the one that I showed you yesterday. And I was thinking, why is it that I like it so much? And I think the reason why I like it so much is because here we have a brand like Starbucks that's creating a message and a story, but they have the exact same tools that I have because they're using the emojis and they're using the little drawing features. So it makes me think, how can we tell better stories using a format like Snapchat. Well, so it really humanizes these companies. Clara, on uh, tech trend number two, you talked about automation technology. Um, what sort of trends do you think are gonna happen this year, specifically within financial services? I mean, do you think that um, what we see in the sort of travel world, so travel agents sort of going away, and all of us going to kayak.com, for example, when we're buying a flight, um, do you think that kind of automation is gonna happen in um, an industry like ours? Well, I think that is the question that every single person in the wealth management industry is debating and grappling with right now. And I think the answer is yes and no. Mm -hmm. I mean, no question that online technologies and these new consumer-driven buying patterns will affect financial advisors. No question that there's a huge use case for predictive analytics in the wealth management space. But the question is, 
is it, does that mean that advisors go away completely? And my firm belief, based on all the work that we've done, the 130,000 plus advisors on our platform, the millions of clients that they serve, is, is no. Is that there is still a very important role for the human advisor when it comes to someone's dreams. You know, they're sending their children to college, their their retirement savings, buying their first home. This is not the same as, you know, booking a quick flight to, to Vegas and uh, booking a hotel room. This is this is your life. And so the challenge for the industry is that, that advisors are going to have to embrace technologies like they've never before had to in order to free up their time to do what human advisors can uniquely do, to do what robo-advisors can't do, which is sit down with you, look at look you in the eye, ask you those hard questions, make sure that you're saving the right amount of money, make sure that you're figuring out what happens you know, in terms of intergenerational wealth transfer, all these difficult topics that people don't usually wake up in the morning and say, oh, I gotta book that, like they would a flight. And it's interesting because it almost touches on uh, Tech Trend 1 with millennials wanting these sort of ways to communicate with brands and with people in a more authentic way. Now we have the technology that allows you to do it. Mm -hmm. And there was a recent study uh, that was conducted by Financial Planning Association and LinkedIn. And one of the things that was really interesting from the study is that they showed that 54% of clients between the ages of 18 and 44 still want to communicate with their advisor on a face-to-face. Now, it might not necessarily be physically face-to-face, but having that interaction through Skype or some sort of go-to meeting. Yeah, they want that person who knows them and who is accountable for their financial plan and for their wealth management. And so we see this even in Silicon Valley. You know, you think if there were any place in the world where there'd be no advisors, it would be here because everyone is tech forward. There's tons of engineers, but here there's tons of growth in financial advisors and wealth management practices. But the only ones who are able to succeed are those who are connected, findable, present, sharing that content marketing across social media, email, web, uh, mobile web, and text messaging. And I mean text messaging, just, I mean, (laughs) to think about technology that needs to be paired with like a face-to-face relationship. I mean, who are you working with or you're gonna trust more than someone you can text message with? That's right. And then meet face-to-face for coffee for that Starbucks macchiato. (laughs) I appreciate all these Starbucks (laughs) shoutouts. Well, it's got the best Snapchat. So Clara, on uh, tech trend number three, you talked about this idea of integrating your approach. So as a company, being able to uh, marry sort of social, mobile, web, these different channels, um, what do you see as that uh, process? Like what do you think is gonna happen differently this year than what happened last year? I think it's just, it's, it's become critical because actually for several reasons. Number one, it's from the customer experience perspective. You know, so many banks and insurance companies are investing in these amazing mobile apps or in these great robo-advice offerings, but their branches and their advisors have been left behind. And it's confusing for the customer. Because the customer, when they're interacting with a mobile app or they're looking at their bank statement uh, online, it's great, but then they can't text or email their banker. So first and foremost, we need to fix this and make sure that we're upgrading and updating and modernizing these traditional advisor channels because that's still the core business. Number two is from the advisor's perspective, instead of having to log into five different systems to access their social media profile, to send an email marketing campaign, to put up their website and update it, giving them a, a unified experience is important because again, back to the efficiency, the sales productivity angle. And then number three is from a big data perspective. 
I mean, if you treat your website as as one initiative and your social media program as a separate siloed initiative, you're missing out on a, on a huge opportunity to connect what Victor is doing on Twitter versus which articles Victor read on your website versus which of your email campaigns Victor opened and clicked on versus all of the texts that you and Victor have exchanged, you know, as long as you've known each other. Yeah, and I think that as a consumer, like I expect, you know, for example, like I expect retargeting, right? I expect that if I go to Amazon, I'm looking for like a humidifier. I was doing this yesterday. <laughs> it's been it's been uh, interesting weather here in San Francisco. Look for a humidifier. I expect to get that target um, of you know various humidifiers I can buy when I go to my Facebook newsfeed. I expect that. That's right. Well, it goes back to to number one around millennials and the broader consumer population. People expect high degrees of personalization. Mm-hmm. And they want you to stitch it all together and present them with a unique customer experience that's just for them. And to bring things full circle, I think on almost all three of these, uh, there was a great article with someone we work with very closely, which is Missy Farouk from the Golden Gate Wealth Management. Um, she is based here in San Francisco. Uh, I work with Raymond James. And she was profiled by the San Francisco Chronicle and how she is leveraging technology really to help her connect with her clients and also prospect. And when I went to visit with Missy last year, she operates like most advisors do with the dual screens, and she had at least a dozen windows open. So speaking to the fact that wanting to simplify that, you know, she has to go to all these different windows to do certain different uh, tasks to be able to really deliver service. And if there was any way to consolidate that is what her main wish is. Well, that's um, exactly why we, we built the suite. I mean, not to be self-serving here, but this is this was customer driven. Mm-hmm. You know, Misty is part of Raymond James. Raymond James and our other customers said, hey, we want everything that our advisors do on digital and mobile to be as easy as what they're currently doing with you on social. Can you give us these additional types of, of channels that we can enable them on compliantly and easily? So one of the other things that kept you very busy in 2015 was that you're writing a new book and it should be coming out shortly. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So the title is A Social Business Imperative. The foreword is by Howard Schultz, so the CEO, chairman, founder of Starbucks. And it's really the sequel to my first book, The Facebook Era. Um, this, This sequel specifically talks about how do you take a social media vision and operationalize it? I think everyone agrees that social selling, social marketing, social service, social commerce are important, but how do you actually go from that that vision to re-architecting your organization, to changing metrics, to even creating and adapting entire business models around these new opportunities and, and consumer behaviors? Well, I've had the good fortune to preview a few of the chapters. People are in for a real treat. Can't wait to read it. Well, thank you. It comes out, you know, March. 31st, 2016, um, the URL, you can pre-order on Amazon. It's it's bit.ly slash S-O-C-B-I-Z-I-M-P. Well, Claire, I want to say thank you so much once again for joining us as you did last year to share your outlook for 2016. We had an outstanding 2015. We're hoping for more in 2016. Thank you so much for having me. Look forward to seeing all of you guys this year. Thanks, Clara. Bye, Clara. Okay, and we're back. So an interview with Clara, always a good time. Yeah. Um, she comes in here. She just right off the bat gets going and answering <laughs> all these questions. But it's always exciting to hear what the outlook is. Um, I'm really excited about the book. 
Yeah. And well, hey, hang on. Speaking of the book, I'm your I'm your accountability partner, wasn't I? Yes. You set you a resolution are. that you were going to read more books. So yeah. how's it going? I love this check-in uh, just a few days into the year. <laughs> Victor, really keeping me accountable. Yeah, keeping um, on your toes. Yeah, so I started um, a book uh, in December, but I'm counting this. This I get to, you know, make up some of my own rules with my mm. goals and resolutions. And mm-hmm. so um, I started Mindy Kaling's book, Why Not Me, mm-hmm. uh, over the break. And I'm happy to report I am already uh, more than halfway through it. So Wow. Um, it's going really well. That's pretty quick. And you know, one thing I did want to mention that I think might be helpful for some of our um, listeners is I downloaded a new app that's really helping me track my goals and daily habits. And one of those is to read my book every day. And um, it's this app called Way um, Way of Life. Okay, it's like a green app with a little check mark. And I mm-hmm. heard about it on the Tim Ferriss show his podcast, and it allows you to just write down your daily habits and quickly before you go to bed, um, just say basically yes or no that you did it. Hmm. And so I've got some other things on there like flossing, uh, meditating, um, taking my vitamins, (laughs) Mm -hmm. silly things like that. But um, really cool to just check it off. And Mm -hmm. so just having that daily reminder to read my book, actually, you know, just in a week, has reminded me to do it. It's just part of building it into your everyday schedule. Yeah, what was the name of the app again? It's called Way of Life. I gotta check it out, because I'm a list builder. Like, I was like, to-do list, and I love love that, uh, that the activity of actually crossing that thing off, Absolutely. you know, like that I completed. And so it has that, right? So a check mark. And what's beautiful is it's uh, very like metrics driven. And so at the end of the month, it'll give you a readout and you can see your graphs of how you're doing on each of your daily goals. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when it's drink glass, like eight glasses of water, that's one of mine too. It's, mm-hmm. it, I, I, you know, I'm actually going to the kitchen here at uh, the office a little bit more often because I want to click the yes at the end of the day. So I, I love that. So that's a good thing about this time of year, right? We want to be healthier. We're looking ways to improve ourselves. You're reading books. Um, Steve Garrity just wrote a great blog post where he really talks about getting things done. We've got a couple of people have been writing some things and Greg Karleski from our product team. Like I said, there's a lot of activity right now and people looking at ways that they can improve 2016 and setting some really good goals. What other goals did you set for yourself? Because you shared one with with me that I'm going to be another accountability partner for you on this. Oh my gosh, Victor. Okay. Um, So I have uh, a couple other quantitative goals. So four big goals this year. So the first one is like an athletic goal. So it's to run a marathon in under four hours. Um, So that's going to require a lot of uh, work for Mm. me. I got quite a few minutes to take off my uh, one marathon time a few years ago. Um, So that's one. And then the second one is to play three songs on the piano that I really like. Oh, Um, please tell me one of the songs is going to be that Destiny Child song you love so much. Oh my God. (laughs) I think you're referring to jump and jump. And that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the one. That's not on my list, but uh, uh, Adele's new album is, uh, is um, you know, sort of inspiring me of late. So oh, we'll that'd be great. We'll have you back. We'll bring a piano and then you can play for us. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> you can do the intro song instead. We'll replace it with you playing Adele. And then all of our listeners drop off like one minute into right now, the podcast. Just everybody just push stop right now, right? No. Um, and then, so that's two. And then uh, the 12 books is three. And then the fourth one. And this one's really ambitious is um, 100 blog posts on my personal blog. Wow. So 100. It's, 100 is a lot, 
up, but it's only two a week, and um, they don't have to be really long. Oh, okay. So I'm not, I'm not. There are no parameters on that. So like it's, stream of conscious kind of writing, or what your observations and things like that. Hopes, dreams, aspirations. Wow. Uh, companies I'm going to start. <laughs> no, I'm just no. kidding. Whoa. I'm just kidding. We'll see. Um, we'll see what it what happens on there. Right now, uh, my blog is. Um, it's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it's a good taste of who I am. But um. I've got one too on Tumblr and I occasionally go in and it comes in spurts. Like well, all of a sudden I'll like post for a few days in a row and then it drops off. It's on, t- you know, and it, cause it's so easy to do on Tumblr with uh, the app or on the desktop. And I took a look at it again yesterday after seeing Steve Garrity's post. And I was like, I should do this again. And it was exactly what you're talking about, is posting favorite pictures, lyrics, music, and all kinds of things, things I'm thinking about. Well, and you know, you and I are both pretty active on social media. And I think it's like, we've gotten, you and I are two examples of people who have gotten very, like we use social media not as, it's not a chore for us, right? Mm -hmm. When we think about our customers too, right? We have to cross that line of something being a chore to becoming just a habit. And I love social media because it's fun. And I, I tweet because I actually think about it and it's just part of my day. If I listen to a great song on Spotify, like I'll tweet out the song Mm -hmm. and like hashtag it's fun. You Um, did that with the Beatles song, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Oh, that was the best gift for the holidays when they released the entire Beatles catalog on Spotify. It's pretty good. We've been listening to it. Apparently come together has gotten, I can't remember how many millions of downloads of people listening to it. It's the number one Beatles song off that catalog. Oh, that's cool. So anyway, just a little aside. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I mean, I think, you know, the point I'm trying to make is, is just that if you can, with any of your goals, any of your resolutions, all these things you want to change, it can feel really cheesy and trite to, you know, in January, try to you know, change your life. But it's an opportunity to incorporate good habits again mm. at the beginning of the year. And if you can, you know, whatever you need to do, whether you download the app, a way of life or whether you write it down or whatever, it's an opportunity to just build good habits. Well, so that's a whole lot of goals that you've got set for the year. So very ambitious. And we will all be holding you accountable. Oh, man. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's really great about, you know, putting yourself out there and doing these resolutions is to hold yourself accountable to try to meet these resolutions as you go through the year. Yeah. And, uh, Victor, you had a goal this year of meeting new people in the office. And I know we're just, you know, not too far mm. into into January, but how is that going? And, and I was curious, not only how is it going, but, you know, are you going to quantify it? How do you do this? You have a busy schedule. Yeah, actually, I didn't quantify. I should follow the smart. I will, and an app like that would be very helpful. Uh, but I did. I actually uh, saw an opportunity, seized it, because uh, we have a new employee. His name is uh, Brad. He joined our accounting group, and uh, I just said, "Hey, it's his first week here. I'm going to take an opportunity to meet him and start, you know, crossing off my list of individuals that I don't know at the organization that I'm hoping to meet." Um, I also started working with uh, Jason on our engineering team on a project. And so I got to meet him, even though we've both have been here for a while. And so I'm really looking at this as an opportunity to expand, to meet new employees. Uh, so I understand a little bit about the role they play here in Hearsay Social and that's, share a little bit about what I do. That's awesome. And I love that your goal is like a relationship, sort mm-hmm. of interpersonal goal. That's really fun. Yeah, ideally, you know, if we get through the, the entire year and you say you meet like one person every week or so, We'll get through, you know, a good chunk of the company. Not everybody, but most. And as we mentioned in our conversation with Claire, I'm really excited about next week's company kickoff when the whole company gets together to revisit with those people that we only see on a biannual basis or when we're out in the field, but also to meet some of the new employees that have been hired 
in those locations as well. And maybe we can badger them about their resolutions and goals. And, you know, if they don't have any, we can. We can make some. We can, yeah, <laughs> force peer pressure resolution, <laughs> resolutionize them. <laughs> so I'll take another opportunity to thank Claire for joining us and sharing her outlook for 2016. I think we're all very optimistic, setting all these great goals, not only for the company, but also for our, ourselves personally. So Alyssa and I want to know what your goals are. Yeah, what, what have are you your done? goals? What are your goals? Tell us. Tweet yeah. us. Yeah, so tweet us using hashtag HSOnAir. Feel free to share with us what your goals are. We'd love to uh, be your accountability partner in ensuring that you meet them in 2016. So thank you so much for joining us once again on Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola. And I'm Alyssa DeSantos. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Say Social Production, recorded in our state-of-the-art recording studios in San Francisco, California, the Great Golden State, seated at the watery edge of the majestic Pacific Ocean. We'd like to take this brief moment in the vast expanse of time to thank you, our listeners, for lending us your ears, for we understand that your time is precious. Like the most delicately crafted pearl, cradled at the bottom of the sea. Truly, we hope to our most inner heart and soul that you'll consider joining us for next week's episode. But until then, Godspeed, and follow us on Twitter 